Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beja Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hi, and welcome to Everything is Fine, a podcast for women over 40. We are your hosts. I'm Kim France. And I'm Jen Ramolini. And Jen, you're wearing the cutest jumpsuit I've ever seen today. Oh my God. I can't believe you actually like this jumpsuit. I thought that you would find it to be, well, I mean, you can't see it up close, but it's, it is very cute. It's a big bud press jumpsuit and I actually got it in the right size. I always upsize with them and they don't fit me. Like then I just have this big, like sort of baggy thing, but anyway, it's a big bug press and it has, uh, it's green and black checked and it has little horseshoes all over it. Um, I love it. I got it. Alex gave it to me for my birthday and it is, um, it's a lot, it's a lot of an outfit, but I've decided to embrace it being a lot. Well, it has horseshoes, but then it has all the other symbols of luck. It does. It like does. Four leaf clover, stars. It it's, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's, and it's checkerboard. I think that's the other thing people have to know. <laughs> it's just amazing. I was like, because this is the difference between you and us. Today, I was like, I know. I'll mix it up. I'll put on my blue button down. <laughs> well, I have noticed that now that we're starting to do these in video, um, I, I your outfits like sort of look similar. Like one time I, I interviewed... Um, I interviewed Katy Perry over the course of like several interviews and she wore the same Adidas tracksuit the whole every interview. And it was so that the paparazzi like wouldn't be able to use images of her like because they just were useless. They weren't. Mm -hmm. And Jennifer Aniston did this, too. And I feel like that's what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to get the paparazzi off my trail. (laughs) Exactly. Like every every picture of me is like there's stripes over here. Here's (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's crazy. I'm just like, how wild can I be? Um, so we have a great, we have a really good show today with a really interesting person. It was very hard to know where to focus this interview because this woman, Dr. Judy, has done so much. Like I didn't even get to half of the questions. She in the in the 80s, she was on every single talk show. She was on and the 90s, Geraldo, Sally, Jeffy, Sally Jesse Raphael, Oprah, Larry King, Jerry Springer. If you look at her online, like there's pictures of her like with Bill Clinton, like really closely holding her hands, like just being like, <laughs> I love you, Dr. Judy. Danny DeVito. I found a picture of her in the 70s with Mick Jagger and Stevie Wonder. Like it's Amazing. just, she really has lived an incredible life. And I wanted to have, I want to have more people on on like this that are just like 
past 70 and are still like already have lived so much and are still so actively engaged in their life. Yes. And you know, it always comes down to the same thing. It's always about curiosities is what we always hear from older women. It always is every single time. So um, I hope people like, oh, wait, before we get off, I don't want to get off without asking you, how are you this week? <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine. I'm going to Europe very soon. So I'm getting kind of anxious about that. You know, oh yeah. To- this is, this is going to come out after you're in Europe. These are our, these are our um, banked Europe episodes. Anyway, continue. Europe episodes. Yes. Um, so I just, I get so anxious before I travel. I don't know why. I don't know why I get so anxious and I like, don't want to go. I mean, it makes sense to me that that's, that that's, I, I, oh, I, I similarly have, I have the exact same thing. I don't want to go. I really get very much into like looking around my house being like, oh, it's fun here. Yes. (laughs) How can I leave you? But it's just about (laughs) like transitions and traveling is a lot. It is a lot. And I'm going to be gone for a long time. Yeah. And yeah. so it just, and I'm just like, okay, I just, I have to, as long as I, I like, if I make a list of everything that must make it into the suitcase and then I like really check the list twice, then yeah. I can get, but like my fear of leaving, of leaving something at home, you know, it's not like Europe doesn't have stores. Well, that's, that's so- what I'm always, I'm always, I'm always my fear of leaving something at home. And Alex is like, we are not going, we're going to a place that has stores. <laughs> like, it's yes. we're going to like a, a country that is very developed. Like it's fine. <laughs> so funny. It is, but it's like, well, what if I forget my moisturizer that I like? You know? It's no, just- I know. Cause you're trying to create, like, you're trying to like bring as many comforts with you, which is how, which is how, when you're like, when you're like, un, when, well, at least when my parents come to visit me, I can't believe how large my mother's suitcase is. I'm like, what the fuck did you pack in here? And it's like, well, I like to have all my stuff. Like, yeah, no, I get it. I totally get it. I totally get it. I, I mean, I think that there's, I have traveled for two weeks with just a carry on. Yes. This, you know, this is not going to happen on this trip. No. You know, no. this is the, because there are going to be many climates too. Like I'm going to be in Madrid, Madrid's super, super hot. Going to be in the former East Germany where it's going to be cold at night. Yeah. Yeah. No, those are hard to, those are hard to pack for, but just know that like in a pinch, you can walk into the Zara in Berlin and get yourself like a cute jacket. Like it's right. going to be, it's, you know, and, and it's fun to do that is the truth. It's true. When you have to buy something on vacation, it's a oh, great feeling. Nothing better. I bought this terrible, <laughs> I bought this terrible, I mean, it's so amazing. I bought this like fake fur coat in H&M in Times Square over Christmas because I was like, I did not pack a third layer. And it was like the Christmas when it had like gone down to like 10 degrees or something. Mm-hmm. And so I just now have this like wild Muppet fur coat that I would have never bought in real life, but I'm so glad I bought it. So, yep. No shopping while traveling can be super fun. You just have to like not shop for the like version of yourself that you're working on while you're traveling. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you yeah, walk yeah, into yeah. a store and you're like, Ooh, maybe I'm this person. <laughs> I, I'm vacation, Jen. Vacation, Jen, <laughs> where's this? You know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. I one time bought like these weird dominatrix looking heels in uh, Paris. I was like, Oh, this is a sexy lady. Never <laughs> wore them. Never, <laughs> never. <laughs> not not a dominatrix heels lady. I, I wish to be. I wish to be the sexy lady. Um, anyway, speaking of sex, let's get into this. Let's get into yeah. Dr. Judy. Let's do it. 
Our guest today is Dr. Judy Kuriansky. Dr. Judy is a world-renowned radio advice host, clinical psychologist, and certified sex therapist, a magazine and newspaper columnist, an author, and a humanitarian. She's been part of the adjunct faculty as a professor of psychology and education at Columbia University for more than 20 years and has written more than half a dozen, a dozen books, including The Complete Idiot's Guide to Healthy Relationship and How to Love a Nice Guy. Dr. Judy is a pioneer of radio call-in advice. In the 80s and 90s, she hosted the popular nationally syndicated radio show Love Phones with Chris Jagger. She's also played bass guitar in an all-female rock band called Artemis. In recent years, Dr. Judy has been a first responder to disasters around the world, including in Haiti, Japan, China, Iran, and the U.S. Today, she acts as a representative of NGOs at the United Nations and an advisor to ambassadors. And you may also know her as one of the amazing women I interviewed for the podcast Stiff about Bob Guccione and 70s feminist porn that came out earlier this year. Welcome, Dr. Judy. Dr. Judy, it's hard to know where to start because you've done so much, but I think we should start with sex, right? So what inspired you to study sex and then work as a sex therapist? Well, I stumbled into sex, so to speak. I didn't start out as a kid saying, I want to be a sex therapist. Some people do right now, but the field didn't exist when I started. I happened to have been a senior research scientist at Columbia Medical School. How does that sound? (laughs) I mean, doing research about mental disorders in England and America. And so I was studying cross-cultural psychotic disorders and Masters and Johnson, the grandfather and grandmother of sex, came to my unit, who was known internationally as an evaluation unit and brilliant in that field said, can you evaluate our sex therapy? We're seeing couples come to St. Louis for two weeks. The man is preaching ejaculation. The woman may not have orgasm. You do all these major evaluations funded by the government. Can you tell us whether or not our treatment works? And that's how I got involved. I was a young person, and that was the beginning of sex therapy. It wasn't even well-known. Nobody was thinking about it. When I wrote the first article for Cosmo magazine, and Kim, you would know, you know, you work for Rolling Stone and Sassy in New York, you would know Cosmopolitan magazine did all these sex articles, and Mm -hmm. I wrote five ways to have the best orgasm. And in those days, people were covering the cover of the magazine with paper bags because they were so Mm -hmm. afraid for people to know that they were reading about sex. Anyway, that's how I got into it. So with these major psychiatrists, we did the evaluation for Masters and Johnson about whether or not their treatment for premature ejaculation and orgasm and retarded ejaculation and no ejaculation, (laughs) whether or not that worked. And that's how we made our mark. And that got me into the whole field. So uh, some of these were older psychiatrists, and I I was a budding psychologist and really got swept into the scene 
early, along with Dr. Ruth, she was a much older than I. And then I got uh, put on radio and television and writing in newspapers and magazines. And it, it, it blew up after that to become really the, the, the younger, taller Dr. Ruth. I'm, I'm curious because it occurs to me that the, the years that you were studying to become a doctor, you must have not had a lot of other female colleagues. What was it like working as a, as a woman sex, sex therapist in the 1970s, you know, in a kind of brand new field? This must have been amazing. It was amazing. And it was certainly exciting. I bought the, the, the third ever vibrator at a national organization for women's conference in the early 70s when that happened in a school in Manhattan. And I, I think that, interestingly enough, there were those of us who were really committed in this field. I was one of the few who were in the academic field. So I had to be a little bit careful because I also had my feet in psychiatry and real serious academia and many of the other women were not in academia so much, so they didn't have to worry about their reputation or, you know, what their colleagues thought. And, you know, we're just barreling ahead. There was Betty Dodson doing, you know, workshops with where women were naked, examining their genitalia, you know. And so mm -hmm. I had to stay more in the one foot in the academia. So I did believe it or not. My even though I was writing and speaking about trends in the diagnosis of schizophrenia and all these kinds of very fancy things. Uh, and I, I also wrote my PhD thesis, which was absolutely revolutionary at New York University, which was the premier program in PhDs at that time, um, about, about the treatment of women with a 10-session program to learn to have orgasm. It was unheard of. Hmm. So that was, you know, very, it took a lot of boldness coming from my position. Of course, I'd gone to Smith College, so I was already prepared to be a little out there, and a little bit of a rebel. <laughs> and um, Gloria Steinem had been at Smith College 10 years before, so she was, of course, around, and Betty Friedan had been way before that. Um, so there were already, you know, some people who were out there in the field, and uh, it took courage, though. Uh, because uh, even when I was on the radio talking about masturbation along with Ruth, but, you know, Ruth got away with it because Dr. Ruth was, you know, a grandmother. And I, you know, was not. In fact, people used to really make jokes. They used to say, you know, Dr. Ruth looks like she had sex 20 years ago, but Dr. Judy looks like she had sex 20 minutes ago. <laughs> Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I had to deal with all of that. So you went from working in magazines. So being in this academic field and then working as a popular sex advice columnist, and then how did you land the radio show Love Phones? Or why did you want to host a radio show? Like, how did that all happen? I didn't grow up thinking about that either. <laughs> I mean, that's both mm -hmm. things. I didn't. When I was asked when I was eight years old what I wanted to be when I grew up, um, you know, everybody asked a kid that. I wanted to change the world. Then when I was in uh, junior high school, they had a column in the newspaper, the school newspaper, would you want to be the first woman president? And I said overwhelmingly, yes. 
I was uh, an army brat. I was very, very nationalistic. I said, I want to serve my country. I love being a leader. And the other girls all said, it's too much work. I want to raise a family. I don't know how I keep the house and do that. Right. <laughs> right. So um, I didn't grow up saying I was going to be a sex therapist or go into that field. And then what happened was that out of this work initially that I just told you about with regard to sex therapy, even though I was still doing uh, psychological studies about adult um, you know, depression and anxiety and all this stuff, um, it turned out that I was asked to do a TV on WNBC TV, a, uh, a TV a feature about groups, about women learning to have orgasm. So that was major revolutionary. So uh, I did put together a group of women who were really willing to be on TV about it and demonstrated how the group ran in the regular TV feature, you know, three and a half minutes, whatever. So that sort of got me into the, you know, the media buzz. Um, and then I uh, was asked then to be on TV more. What else can you talk about, Judy? And then I got a call out of the blue from WABC Radio, the, which was before Z100. Uh, and, the, um, and the program director said, do you want to do a call and advice show? We are going to change over from from music because wabc was like the music station of the world really uh we're gonna do so the day the music died in 1980 i went on the air three nights three hours a night five nights a week wow and, and i had been in a, a rock band that was another whole thing and so this was a music station so the program director said to me uh, well, you know, I said, do, do you really think I could, you know, do this show? I mean, I've really never been on the radio. How am I going to, like, do this? He said, you know what? You're in a rock band. You know what a song is and how a song can be popular. And so I just want you to think about every caller being, like, the best song that you're going to play. And that's it. And then just give your advice. So I thought, okay, I know how to, I know how to, you know, get out a song. <laughs> so, and did did you have a passionate audience from the start? Did it take oh, yeah. off for your? Oh uh, no, no, it hit, it just went skyrockets. It 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 blew off the charts. Really, it was tremendous. It was called the Dr. Judith Kuriansky program at that time to be a little bit more, you know, a little bit more respect conservative. But it was uh, on the it was wild. Because it was prime time, it was nighttime, nine to midnight. It was on the air uh, at the same time. The Yank, the Yankees were my lead-in in that period. And when there was a rain delay, I would go on the air. It was crazy. <laughs> you know, all the baseball fans were listening to Dr. Judy talk about masturbation. Hilarious. <laughs> it, it was wild. So it it really went off the charts. And then. I was asked to, I, I switched to WOR for a while. That was a, not exactly my, my you know, cool audience because I was pretty cool. And, um, and then out of the blue, the uh, Z100 uh, news director, news uh, program director called me up and said, I want you to come do this show on Z100. We're going to go talk show, your show, from 10 to midnight and music all day. They were the hottest alternative rock program 
So it was revolutionary. And that wow. got bigger ratings than Howard Stern. And Howard, whom I know, used to complain on his show. He would say, why would Dr. Judy get away with talking about orgasm and penises and crooked penises and helmet-shaped penises when I get fined by the FCC and she gets away with it? <laughs> and I had, by the way, higher ratings than him, higher ratings than Howard Stern. Incredible, incredible, especially at that time. That's incredible. And Love Phones was an extremely intense show sometimes. I, I think I read that you even prevented like an obsessed fan from killing a soap opera star or something. Is that is that true? Was yes. there a situation like that? Oh, many, many. There were very, very funky light calls. You know, kids used to, we, we had such a huge audience and they were, you know, they just thought we were the coolest thing. And so the next day in school, they would just all talk about, did you hear who was on the phone the other night? And, uh, da, da. and so there would be lots of kids who would call and try to get on and make the wildest call that they can. You know, I like to stuff a ferret down my pants at night to, you know, <laughs> and then and then go to school the next day and say, oh, did you hear? Was I on? Did you hear me? You know, so that's what happened. But to answer your question, they were very very serious calls. I had to put people on hold. I called the police often. I mean, there were very sad, very serious situations, like you mentioned. There were, you know, I'm being abused. Um, I'm going, threats, like you said, I'm going to kill a soap star. I'm obsessed with her. Um, I'm going to kill my girlfriend because she's dating my best friend. You know, all kinds of stuff. I've been, you know, uh, my, I, my house got robbed and my mother was just shot, you know, I, that was a call. That was unbelievable. It was I, a young kid called and said, a, uh, somebody's in my house in the other room. I'm with my friend and we're playing in another room. I think they just went into where my mother's are. Oh my God. He just, I just heard a pistol shot. So, I mean, this was unbelievable. We thought, ah, oh, how could this be true? Then in fact, and we called the cops and tried to track the call. And then the next day, we get a call, and and it's a sheriff. And he says, that was a real call. That oh my God. really oh my God. happened. I was there. So, you know, there was uh, amazing, you know, horrible drama. But we did a lot of good because there were many people now. How many years later? I meet them everywhere, and I love them. I went to a reading because I'm involved in the theater now, um, which I was when I was eight years old and I was <laughs> the queen of the school play in Kentucky. Um, but anyway, so now I invest in theater. I went to a reading of a play by her, she now calls herself V, Eve Ensler, who was the vagina monologues, if you remember. And yeah, yeah very friendly with Jane Fonda. And so I went to a reading of this new play she's doing called Wild, which is an echo fable, a new interesting word considering I'm so involved in environmental protection and wrote a book about it. Um, but anyway, it was, a, it, it was just like, oh, look what's happened to the world of sex. We've evolved so much into serious topics and, you know, really moving from vaginas to, to environmental protection. 
Let's take a quick break from some ads. Hey everyone, it's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosa 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAST10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. And we're back. What did you? What did people call about most on love phones? What was the? What were, what were the most? What was the most popular calls? Because I imagine like so many people have no idea what they're doing in sex, right? So you're just answering in real time these questions. What did they call about the most? Well, the it, it depends on which which iteration because in the earlier show on in the 80s, uh, going into the 90s, it was much more general. Young people would call about, uh, where do I find somebody to date? And the uh, couples would always say, how do I spice up my love life, which was endlessly interesting and endlessly created lots of fun things. Uh, On Love Phones, we had a slightly younger, very hip audience, as you can imagine. This was like the hottest... um, you know, music station in the country, and it was a 50,000-watt chain station. So, and it wasn't 50,000 watts. That was WABC. But it went everywhere. And then it was syndicated. So a lot of young people called about their body. They were obsessed. You know, the boys were constantly obsessed about the size of their penis. This was endless, Mm -hmm. the size of their penis. Girls about um, boys wanting them to go down on them and give them, you know, fellatio and not doing anything and not and being embarrassed about their own vagina. Oh, you know, something my my lips are too big. You know, very a lot of calls about body and a lot of calls about dating um, and about feeling left out and um, about the issues like I mentioned before about you know my boyfriend is dating somebody else and I'm jealous of my girlfriend she's going out a lot you know all these things that young people still to this day are concerned about the questions have not really changed that dramatically of course now it's a lot about digital things people are concerned about and I'm horrified because I can't stand that kids don't even know how to talk to each other and they certainly yeah. don't know the yeah. language of love. 
because that's not what they're doing now when they're texting and and using emojis. So it's very distressing. But at that time, you know, also everybody was trying to be very out there. You know, besides the typical questions, there were also, you know, goth questions and, you know, what's teabagging and how do, but questions are how do I perform the best blow job? <laughs> how often should I masturbate? I'm curious if there was ever a sex question you wouldn't answer. No, never. I would always find a way to answer the question, even if um, I can't even think of something that I couldn't answer. I learned that very early on. In fact, that was my claim to fame and why uh, the first TV show I ever was on said, oh, you're on uh, NBC was like so successful because they said, oh, my God, you really know how to answer a question when you don't really want to answer a question. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because, for example, they asked me, uh, well, tell me, Dr. Judy, does mouthwash make you more kissable? And, of course, I was on to talk about the FCC rules about guidelines for advertising on TV. I said, well, you know, that's what ads would want you to know and want you to think. But actually, they're being fined by the FCC because we did a study, blah, blah, blah. You see what I mean? So yeah. I would always, like, shift. If, if somebody was calling about an answer that was clearly to get on the air – you know, and just to make fun, I would turn it to something like say, oh, I know you're calling about the ferret down your pants to lick your penis. But you know what? You may think that you're making something up, but that means something about what you're thinking about or your embarrassment or your fears or you're wanting to have kids listen to you. What is it? You see what I mean? So Mm -hmm. I'm very I'm, I was very creative about that, and I enjoyed finding ways to turn a w- apparently frivolous question into something substantive. Right. I would imagine that you also, that this was a good way to keep f- people from feeling shame about their questions. Oh, that's a very good question, of course. That's the point. The, the three S's, you've got me into thinking. Shame, silence, and stigma. Yes. Mm-hmm. Those are the three to get over. That's it, right? Is that is that the, if you would say if that's the thing, that's the things that are keeping us. For, those are the three things that are keeping us from having a satisfying sex life. Do you think it's keeping us from yes, from a satisfying sex life and from self esteem and from being able to enjoy your life and being able to have relations with others and feeling good about yourself. I've studied tantra for years, which is a spiritual practice from India and China from 5,000 years ago and whatever. I've written a book about it, even the completed its guide to tantric sex, which yeah. is in quite a, um, <laughs> it's very funny because I'm at the UN, right? In the United Nations now advocating about mental health, but also poverty, climate change and all these things. And so when ambassadors or other delegates say, God almighty, you recognize your voice. You think that Dr. Judy was on the radio talking about masturbation? <laughs> I mean, really, the same issues are there at the, on the international level that we're dealing with now about stigma and silence and shame. Mm-hmm. They persist. I was going to say, how, how do we overcome them? Like, what is, you know, if you could give the one piece of advice about this, how what would it be? How to overcome these three things? Because I think they're, I mean, I think we all have them. Yes, we do. I think they're very intertwined, and one feeds into the other, and it, it all boils down to one sentence, which is, I matter, and I'm okay. Whatever I feel, 
and whatever I am worried about is okay. I do not need to be a people pleaser and worry about other people's opinions. Now, it can take people a long time. Teenagers are fraught with this. That's what they, you know, really uh, what gets them down is the fear I'm not, I'm, a, I'm, not, I'm the only one, uh, something's wrong with me. I mean, that was a lot of the goal that I had on the radio with the young people was to teach them, you're okay, and you're not alone. What do you think you learned from doing that show? I learned that we're all the same. Everybody has the same issues, same fears, same worries. People who are cocky are just insecure. And people who are insecure need to feel okay about themselves. So it's all about, it all boils down to self-esteem and realizing that one feeling that I'm okay and I'm not alone goes along with that. And I don't have to be ashamed of my feelings. And if people don't react to me well, it's their problem, not mine. They're projecting. Right. So if, 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 is there one piece of advice, like you're, you're, you're meeting with a couple, they're, they're recently married. Is there one piece of advice about sex that you give across the board? What is it that you want to please you and what can you do to please the other person? Basic, that's it. Mm-hmm. And you need to communicate about that because the basic problem that existed in the very early days of sex therapy uh, and still persists today, unfortunately, is that mainly women feel that, oh, he or my partner is supposed to know what to do to turn me on. No, that's not true. You have to learn, by the way, by pleasuring yourself, what you like and what you want and explore your own fantasies. And then you need to share them. I prefer this. I prefer that. And you need to pose it in a po- in a positive way because it's like that pink elephant thing. I've heard. I've sat in too many sessions with couples where she'll say something like, "Don't he pinches my breast? I hate it," you know. And then next session he comes back, "Oh, he pinched my breast again." I said, "Well, that's because you said pinch my breast." So all his brain computed was pinch, pinch. So you have to say what you want positively, not negatively. Oh, that's interesting. That's interesting because so so actually giving very explicit, you think giving very explicit instruction. I like this. I would like, you know, I just very being very specific. Is that is that what you're saying? Definitely. Specific is one and guidance is another. If you don't not comfortable saying and talking, then you take your partner's hand and you guide it to what you like. And when your partner does something that you like, you say, that feels good because the basic psychological principle is reward what you want repeated. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. I mean, obvious, but interesting, but like, uh, you know, of course, but you forget this because there's so much self-consciousness around sex. I mean, I think, even as we get older, it's still, you know, you, you've been with somebody a long time. You can still feel kind of shy about asking for what you want. And, and maybe even more so because, you know, you're dealing with like, you know, painting the house and the dishes, and then suddenly you're shifting into this sex mode and it can be, you know, it could be challenging to sort of shift in shift between those modes. Do you have advice for women 
about that, you know, shifting from like day to day, like doldrums of adult life with a partner into like, you know, we're, we're having sex now and I'm going to guide you and be sexy. You're absolutely right. That's one of the reasons why people resist and have problems in their relationship is that you don't allow themselves to go into being the wild woman in the bedroom after they've been the worker bee in the house. Uh, so you do, and that goes for males too, by the way, you know, they have the same, uh, they're going to be doing one thing and uh, dealing with the bills and then all of a sudden having to be the he-man. Um, so, or whatever the genders are, but it, it really has to do with recognizing that this is an issue. And then you just do it. It's like, it, that's the magic answer. And when you pinpoint it and you know what the issue is psychologically, we know this as psychologists, as long as you say it and you bring it to the fore and you recognize and acknowledge it, you have a chance to change it. And it's up to you to change it, really. I mean, because you can decide. Are you going to snap your fingers, change your clothes, and all of a sudden you're a new person? You're allowed to play different roles. So one of my favorite things has been you are, being in theater and loving movies and stuff, you are the director, the actor, the producer, and every actor and in your play of your sex life and your life in general. So what role do you want to play? Do you want to be stuck in the I'm a bore, I'm ashamed, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm miserable about myself, I can't switch from the kitchen to the bedroom? Or do you want to give yourself a change of scenery, change of scene, click, you know, delete that program for the moment onto the next program. You know, how many times do people go from one website to another? It's, it's unbelievable, right? right? How much time do you spend in that website? Right. It's just about changing the channel. Right. Change the channel on your thinking and your, your, your permission to be those different roles. Give yourself permission. What are some of the things you hear repeatedly from women as they're facing perimenopause, menopause, aging regarding their sex lives? Going back to exactly what the young people called me, what I told you, their body. I am not, oh, this flab here, my boobs are, dro are drooping. Uh, and, you know, even my vaginal lips are not as tight as they used to be. Uh, all these body issues that lead to those horrible three S's, the silence, the stigma, and the shame. They need to get over it, love themselves the way they are. I know that's been said so many times, but from a psychological point of view, I, I said before, it's, this is basic about self-esteem. Do what you can to feel better about yourself. If you're jealous of somebody else, think what is it that you're jealous of that woman for, and then make it yours rather than steaming in your green uh, monster. And recognize that if you, the another basic truism, if you accept yourself, it is more likely that others will. If you don't, it is more likely that they won't either. This is energy. This is a basic kind of interesting um, Eastern principle that we put out in the world what we get back. It's the mirror. 
philosophy that whatever you're sending out messages, you're going to likely get back. So if you're, if you're emanating a bright light of, I feel good about myself, no matter whether your boobs are, drip, are drooping or not, um, then it's more likely people will see you that way. Shine in yourself. Others will see your light. Um, that means, you know, when we get older, we can't compare ourselves. Our thighs do not look like they used to. One of the rock stars, we used to have love phones. We had rock stars on. Gwen Stefani is such a big star now. She was on the show. And uh, everybody, you know, with Aerosmith and Poison and all of them. And, you know, and one of them, uh, I'll never forget, he said he likes uh, young girls who have space between their legs. In other words, where your thighs don't touch. The two right. inch, he used to call it the two inch thighs. I mean, who has two inches between their thighs anyway? But, you know, we get older and our thighs aren't the same. They, they sag, people have cellulite. You know, you need to not focus on that or do what you can, wear spanks in the day, exercise your legs, accept them the way they are. They're never going to, you know, be as you were when, when your skin was tight and, you know, you didn't have where need all of this creams to uh, make it tighter. I think that, so there's, there's so much here because I feel like you are such a model for aging in so many ways, you know? So most people are lucky to get second acts, but you've had third, <laughs> fourth, I have. even fifth, like, Yes. I What's have. the secret to this kind of engagement with life? How do you engage with life like this? It's amazing to me. Oh well, that's very sweet of you. Uh, I, I think you used the best word: engage. I am absolutely thrilled with every single moment of what I'm doing because it's all exciting and all about learning. And I have to credit my dear dad, uh, who was a dentist and also in the army, and I learned a lot from him. And that was like, do everything. And that's the thrill of life. And that's what keeps, I would have to say, if you're asking me, and Jen, that's very sweet, what's my secret to staying young? Because frankly, I'm not that young. I'm certainly over 40 that you were talking about well over that. <laughs> um, but I feel like I'm 35. I, I'm just ex totally excited about everything I do. And I want to do everything. And that's what I learned from childhood. Oh, you're going to play piano. You're going to do archery. You're going to learn a painting. You're going to learn, you know, parachuting. You're, you know, you're just going to learn everything. So every day I learn something. I either read something or learn, you know, about something new or I go to a new place or I get involved in everything new, fresh, and different. And I'm not afraid to do that. I'm not afraid to do it by myself either. I have friends who won't go anywhere by themselves, especially when they get older there. You know, they just say, oh, I'm lonesome, lonely. I look stupid by myself. I don't care. You know, I enjoy myself. I'm happy to go with people, but I have a great time with me. Were you, this might be too personal, but were you ever married or? Yes. You know, were, you were okay. Okay, I feel like women who are not married sometimes are just happier. Like I, I see my friends. It's just like, whoa, all right. Like you love you. I, I. That's just a thing. I, I am married, but I, I sometimes feel like women who are not married is, is, live these independent lives and are really just trying things and going for it. And I admire that so much. But I was just wondering if you had been married in your life. Yes, I definitely was married. I, I, I think what happens is that the the real key to a marriage that works is 
when is this really magical thing when both people support each other to become this typical thing of become what they want to become. It's not easy because what, what do you hear all the time? People go in different directions. You know, it's like, um, uh, I'm, I'm thinking of the, my favorite example. Was it Richard Gere and Cindy Crawford? Weren't they married years and years ago? Yes. Yes. They were, yes. Well, I remember him saying that, um, he knew the marriage was over. Uh, or she she sang. She knew the marriage was over when he brought her. I can't whether it was tea or coffee in the morning. When he should have known after years of their being together that she liked the other one. You know, mm-hmm. it's like right. what and that stuck in my head all the time. Like that's one thing. Remember what the person likes. Always be asking what's new and treat each other new. I wrote the complete guide to dating. And then the company asked me to write another, the completest guide to a healthy relationship. And it's, it swung obviously very logically into one into the other because the key and basis of my message, even on the radio and what, and in the guide to healthy relationship was keep dating. We stop asking what's your favorite color? Where do you like to go? What do you like? Do you like coffee or tea in the morning? <laughs> you know, uh, mm-hmm. all these different things that, make a difference what do you wish women knew about getting older i wish they knew that it's okay and to in every moment counts and that's all we have and that actually is a very buddhist um philosophy so along with tantra that i was telling you about that i've really been involved in for 20 years um the related practices of of buddhism although i wouldn't call myself a total buddhist but i'm a jew boo i was born jewish but um not that i you know go to temple all the time but um the buddhist um, principle that i relate to is to and this goes back by the way to the early rebels from harvard uh, the Timothy Leary and the Richard Albert, who became Baba Ramdas and wrote this book called Be Here Now. And that's what I subscribe to. So while I am over 40, I'm well over 40, that this is all I have, be here now, this moment. And it's the same thing I advise when people are miserable. When I, you know, during COVID, when I was doing things for Nepal and all over the world, um, and, and I, I used to say, you know what? You things are miserable in the world now, but let's let's tell a joke and let's laugh and smile for a moment because you know what you only have that moment. If you want to change, stick that moment in saying, "Oh, I'm old, I'm flabby, you know, I'm not as gorgeous as a 20 year old girl, and what men are there for me," and you know, on and on, you could do that, or you could choose that moment to think of something happy. That is the basics of it. We choose every moment. Amazing. Like that's exactly right. And we, that's the thing that we need to just remember again and again and again, because you forget, right? You forget, you get caught up in the bitching and you you get caught, this is not going my way. Right. Right. Before I, before you go, I I need to ask you some questions about the seventies because you lived through some wild times in the seventies and you attended, I assume some wild parties. Ah, ah. Okay. So let's just talk about like, what was the craziest thing you ever saw in the seventies? Oh my God. There were so many there were so many things. Everybody was like sex, drug, and rock and roll. I mean, <laughs> you know, these are things okay, uh, you're asking me that question and I'm 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 
old enough to be honest now. It's like, you know, giving up all my fears about, ah, what are people going to think? The, you know, respectable Dr. Judy's talking about wild being involved in wild parties, you know, so you're getting an exclusive really (laughs) that uh, I, I went to a lot of them. This was the way it was. That didn't mean that I wasn't, you know, responsible, respectable, um, you know, conservative in some ways. And, but I went with the times because I was always wanting to, you know, know what was the, where the action is and what's happening and keep on top of things. That's what I learned from my father that I was telling you about. My mother was so conservative. She'd be frightened and now she passed away. So if she were listening to this, she'd be like, oh my God, my sweet daughter. Oh no, no, no. You know, but yeah, I mean, there were parties out in, uh, in, on Fire Island and, you know, um, the, the, the typical uh, orgies. I mean, I participated in them and it was like no big deal. Uh, it was what was happening and it was a matter of free love. It was all the, you know, Woodstock and the summer of love and being in the rock and roll world. I mean, remember I had my foot in the rock and roll world and I had my foot in the academic world. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that was what was going on, you know, just letting it all hang out and, you know, having encounters with people and falling in love. That's part of Tantra too. You love the person for that moment and then it doesn't matter. And you know, that that's it. It's just all part of, you know, life and learning and growing. And I mean, I don't do that anymore. I don't need to, but that was this, the, the scene, you know, the, what was going on in the seventies and nobody has it now. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you can do the same things, but, there wasn't the, you know, it wasn't even, it was the, the, the thing to do of the, in the day. There wasn't even any, um, I mean, certain people had negativity about it, but it was part of, if you were cool, that's what you did. Right. Do you think we have moved backwards since then? Well, ba- backwards in terms of what? Uh, conservative, judgmental, like as a society, I mean, you sort of really lived through a very progressive time and you were in the center of a very progressive time. And do you think that we've ever recovered from, you know, so the, you know, the sexual revolution, the women's liberation Uh, movement, sixties and seventies, I don't know that we've in 50 years, I don't know if we've gotten back there. I think that we made some strides and then sort of it all closed up. I totally agree with you. It has closed up. I don't think that we need to go back to the orgy scene of the sex, drugs, and rock and roll that we did um, in the 70s. But I'm very depressed about where things are right now. I think we have not, number one, people have not really evolved to the point where all those messages and advice that I used to give years ago still still requires <laughs> giving because people have the same similar questions and society has gotten worse a lot of it has to do with what we're talking on now the internet the phone i mean i am massively depressed about the lack of real ability to express oneself that is happening because of the phone the nastiness that has evolved over the internet the, the the dating scene, when I wrote The Complete Idiot's Guide to, the, to Dating, the first edition, it was just starting with all these dating apps and things like that. Yeah. And this has gotten so taken people over 
that it's led to depression and suicide. We have yeah. we didn't have the same levels of suicide. It has destroyed people's self-esteem because they are yeah. just dismissed by others, by their picture uh, on or and and we've been reduced to to three letters on text messages and no discussion description no meetings no phone conversation yeah so we're in a worse place and i just wrote a book about technology and ai and you know this is a big issue now uh there are artificial virtual uh people now i've seen them in uh on stage in psychology conferences five years ago in 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 japan and now they're, you know, everywhere. They're not blow-up dolls anymore that they used to be long ago. Now they're, you know, they talk, they look they like human beings. And people are stopping interacting and fixing their faces with all these apps to become more beautiful and skinny. As nobody looks like themselves. They don't even want to meet in person because they've altered their image so much. And so it's worse. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, yes. I mean, I will I, I do just have to add, I mean, what what upsets me is when I hear that teenagers and kids in their twenties are meeting on the apps because mm -hmm. there's no reason for teenagers and kids in their twenties to be meeting on the apps. They're always out there in school, they're seeing people. You know, for me though, I mean, I met my husband on an app. Oh, and, which one? You know. Which husband? My no. current husband. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which husband? <laughs> So stupid. Tinder. Um, Tinder of all the apps. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. So it, you know, I think that 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 all that stuff you're saying is a hundred percent true, and I'm just as discouraged as you, but I do think that it's made a lot of middle-aged people less lonely. Well, that's true. That is true. Well, that's because middle-aged people uh still know the value of communication. So they didn't grow up in the age when they were three years old, already being on an app. So they have some degree of <laughs> leftover ability to talk and put two words together. So I think that's the hopefulness for the, for the population that you're addressing, is to really continue that. So it's not like I'm totally against apps, because you're right, it has opened up really the options. Because before it would be, oh, you're more likely to, you're only likely to meet someone that you love, you know, as much as uh, being hit by thunderstroke. But, you know, that's open the possibilities and that's great. But communication is key. Yeah. Dr. Judy, what do you still want to do? Oh, there's so much to do and learn. Oh my God. I'm, I'm basically still involved in changing the world. Um, being at the United Nations, we just this Monday passed the resolution, the first ever resolution on mental health that I actually was working on for a good 10 years with the ambassador of Palau. And now the ambassador of Mexico got it through the general assembly. So I have to see that that gets, um, applied to things like pandemic preparedness and response. There's all these negotiations going on at the UN. I want to continue, uh, finding the most, um, successful Broadway show. I'm about to invest in harmony. I did with Tina and Donna and <laughs> the temptations. Um, I want to write my life story. Um, I feel like I'm ready for that because, you know, it's funny. 
as I said, you're so sweet. I did share with you some things I haven't said before. I think I'm kind of ready. You know, I wasn't ready before to let people know who I am. I'm actually very insular. I'm not very open about myself, but I have, I'm ready. I want to write my life story. I want to do some films uh, because that's a world. There's a lot of worlds I've kind of gotten involved in, but that's a new world. Um, yeah, I need to write a number of, I want to write a book about uh, diplomacy and psychology, which is my next project. And um, yeah, and I want to clean out my storage places. I have three storage <laughs> bins. <laughs> oh my God, I bet you have some amazing stuff in those storage I bins. do. All the early <laughs> stuff about sex. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. When you write your book, you have to come back on. I I love talking to you. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for letting us interview you. Really. Uh, It's a pleasure. You really made it. You made talk about S's. You gave me a very safe place and I felt very happy talking to you and you've uh, made my day and my week. Oh, thanks, Dr. Judy. Thanks for listening to Everything is Fine. We're your hosts. I'm Jen Romolini. And I'm Kim France. If you like this show, please rate and review it across the platforms, especially Apple Podcasts. It really makes a difference. It helps people find the show. If you want to support the production of the show, please join our Patreon at patreon.com slash everything is fine. We do live events there every month. We put up bonus episodes. I blog there about a number of different things. It is starting at $3 a month. It goes up to many other prices. You have many choices, but mostly it can be a cup of coffee a month. If you want to follow us on social media, we're at EIF Podcast on Instagram. We have a robust and private Facebook group. We're on other platforms that do not matter at all. If you want to follow (laughs) Kim, you can and should go to her Substack, her Girls of a Certain Age Substack, which is kimfrance.substack.com. Our show is mixed and edited by the wonderful Natalie Rivera. Natalie, thank you. I think this one was a little rough (laughs) sound-wise. And we'll be back next week. Even though Kim is in Europe, we'll still be back next week. Hey, everyone. It's Jen and Jess from the beauty podcast, Fat Mascara, here to talk about Sol de Janeiro. So many of the beauty experts we interview on our show say that the key to great skin is to treat every inch of your body with the same attention you give your face. One of our favorite ways to do that is with Sol de Janeiro's Beige Flor Elastic Cream, a rich body cream that's clinically proven to boost collagen and has been shown to improve skin crepiness on the chest in just two weeks. Plus, it's scented with Sol de Janeiro's Charosta 68 fragrance. Sol de Janeiro is offering you 10% off your first order on soldejanero.com and free shipping with the code ACAS10. That's S-O L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O soldejanero.com and use the code ACAS10 for 10% off.